0: Everyone, thank you for tuning in to the New Birth Podcast. There's a word of hope for you today, and we are excited for what God is doing here at New Birth. For more information, visit our website, nbplaceofhope.com. Now for the message by our senior pastor, Gabby Mejia. And amen. We are on week six of our Summer at New Birth. Next Sunday is our last Sunday of Summer at New Birth. We've, we've had so many testimonies. Uh, I received so many testimonies even today. Of, of we have a, we have a bunch of churches that have been doing summer at New Birth with, uh, with us. Uh, our campuses, our, our three campuses, we have a church well everywhere: New Jersey, Pennsylvania, uh, Virginia. We have churches everywhere that have been have been doing um, the summer at New Birth with us, and the testimonies has nominal. And just as we're going to be baptizing today, and all of the churches that is that's doing summer at New Birth, all of the churches that are baptizing today. So next Sunday, we're going to give you a report of how many people got saved, how many people got baptized in the entire summer to the glory of God as a witness that when churches come together in the name and in the power of that name, nothing can stop the church. And so we're just so excited for that. And then also I want to remind you that August 10th, August 10th um, uh, the Hall of Fame of Mariano Rivera will be with us to give, to present the trophy for the championship because we've been playing softball this past, these past four weeks. Um, and so he's going to present the trophy on the 10th, and then Sunday, August 11th, he's going to be with us, and we're going to hear his story. He's going to share his testimony by means of a sermon, and he's going to challenge every single one of us to live life on the mound. We've been called to live life on the mound. And so there's been, uh, we, we, we've been talking about life on the mound because we believe that the moment you come to Christ, Christ positions you to win. Anybody and everybody that comes to Jesus, by default, by default, the moment you come to Christ, you join the winning team. And I want, you to, let, I want to let you know, I, I know we have all kinds of fans here. We have Chicago Cubs and we have Boston Sox and we have, you know, the Cardinals and we have Arizona and Diamondbacks, but ain't no better team like the New York Yankees. I'm a Yankee fan. I'm a Yankee fan. I love the Yankees. Um, and, and we've been talking, we've been talking about, uh, from the perspective of the Yankees, um, how, the church, how the church should live in a way that we become attractive to the world. We talked that part of the part of the dynamics in being part of a baseball team is we we have to play to win. You know, every team that plays plays to win. I know people that they just play for the sport. I don't play for sport. I play to win. You know, I I, I want to win and 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 God has called us to win and we've been we joined this team called the church to win. We, I'm not a Christian to let the devil beat me up and slap me up and do it. No, no. I'm in this to win. That's what he said in Romans 8, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. So, how many of you guys are here to win? All right. Now, now, now that, that was week one. Week two, we talked about in order to win, we need to have tunnel vision. And that means we're going to look straight at the catcher, and there may be a lot of people booing us and, and chanting against us, but our eyes are focused on the prize that we're not going to lose distraction, we're not going to lose focus, because in order to win, we got to have tunnel vision. And we got to be focused And then we also talked about the importance of working in unity, being in unity. We also talked last week about uh, the uniform of the Yankees. We talked about that they have the N and the Y, which, which is the only emblematic symbol you see in the uniform. We mentioned that none of the Yankee players have their name on their jerseys. Most of the other teams in baseball have the name and the number of the player except for the Yankees. Because the concept of the Yankees is... It's a team effort. It's, we don't want to highlight a person. And in this church, the only person we highlight is Jesus. We, we only lift up because he said, if I be lifted up from the world, from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. So that, that's what the church is. And then we talked about the pinstripes. The pinstripes. Which represents what, what, what uh, Minister Jose was talking about. By his stripes, we're healed. We mentioned that the uniform of the Yankees is very simple, simple, white with pinstripes. That's how Christianity ought to be, simple. And sometimes we've had a bad perspective of Christianity because people have, they've complicated Christianity, but Christianity is simple. It's supposed to be fun, it's supposed to be attractive, it's supposed to be appealing, and it's supposed to be simple. And Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is Talked about last Sunday. Today, I'm going to talk about the image of the player, the image of the player. Did you know that since 1973, the New York Yankees has enforced an appearance policy regulating how their players must be presented? I told you last Sunday that part of part of their policy is anybody who join, who joins the Yankees. There's a policy of appearance. I told you last Sunday. You know, you watch all these, you know, sports athletes, superstar athletes. When, when, when in basketball, when the when the players are going to go to the arena to play, they got these, you know, uh, uh, Jesus. Remember LeBron, LeBron James? He had a a suit with short suit. Remember that with a purse. I'm like, dude, make up your mind, you know. He had a pinstripe blazer with a pinstripe short. And and uh, anyway, and, 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 and remember back in the days, in the Ivan Allen Iverson days, they would come with chains and, and a cap and a dual rag. And they were like, this. The, this, the Yankees, whenever the Yankees are traveling to play at another team, they have to wear a blazer. They have to wear a slack. They can't go with, with with chancletas, and they can't go with, with Jordan. They can't go with <laughs> There's a policy. Wherever they go, they got to represent the team. And let me submit to you that we ask, the moment we embrace the call of God over our lives, we ought to look not better than the world, but different from the world. We're called to be different. And so whenever they travel, whenever they travel, they got to be dressed up. They got to look business-like. They have to wear business attire because to them is we're not just doing a sport. This is business. To them is we're not doing a sport. This is more than a sport. And that's how the mindset of a Christian should be. I'm not just coming to church because I want to hear three good songs and jump up. In. No, no. This is business. And we're in the business of winning people for Jesus. We're in the business of having happy homes and having joyful families. So we're going to do business to the glory of God. So to live life on the mound it requires you to live a different life. To stand up here comes with pressure. And so today I want to talk about the image we ought to have. And so in 1973, they came up with a policy. And this policy was started by the former club owner, George Steinbrenner. And this is the, the policy. The official policy states that all players, all coaches, and male executives are forbidden to display any facial hair. And scalp hair may not be grown below the collar. So they can't have a goatee. They can't have a beard. Their hair cannot touch their shoulders. That's why when you notice every baseball player in the Yankees and everybody in the, in the, in the organization of the Yankees, they're shaved. They have no facial hair. And Stein, Steinbrenner, he, he adopted this because he was he was part of the Marines. And this and this was because he wanted the Yankees to have a corporate mindset, a corporate attitude. And let me tell you, church, I'm not telling you today to come next Sunday and cut your hair and cut your beard. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm telling you is that when you come to Christ, you have to be willing. As you accept Christ, accept everything that comes with being in Christ. Yeah, I wanna join the I wanna join the Yankees. I wanna make $7.2 million, but I don't wanna shave. And I wanna come with, you know, my do-rag, and I wanna come with my you know. No, 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 no. To join this team, there's a criteria. To be part of this team, there are some standards. Let me tell you, the moment you took on the banner of Christ and the moment you decided to follow Jesus, I'm here to tell you, if any man is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. The old have passed away. Behold, all things are new. It's an attitude that these guys have. I'm going to business. I'm going to work. It's a mindset that says this is business. This is not playing, playing ball. No, this is the corporate mentality that says because I'm a Yankee player, my life, my attitude, my demeanor, and my persona has got to change. tells us, Romans chapter twelve. Tell bit about Roman church when Paul writes to the Romans. Church in Rome was was a trichotomy of belief. You had Judaistic Christians, they got saved, Jews that believed in Judaism and, and all of that stuff that Judaism came with with sacrifice and Ten Commandments and, and, and sacrifice and all that. But they came in, They came to Christ. Then you had Romans and Greco-Romans who followed Christ but they believed in philosophy. They believed in Caesar. They believed in Caligula. They believed in, in all these gods. And then you had those that followed Jesus, those that got saved along the way, and they're in a church, and now as they're Christians, as they're a group of believers serving God, Paul has to now address something, because he wants to make sure that they are clear what it is to be part, Emily, and the team of God, he wants to tell them, listen, this thing you did By accepting Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. And this thing you did by making him the master of your life. And like I said in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short to the glory of God. But then by chapter 5, I said there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Not those that live according to the law, but according to the, the flesh, but according to the spirit. And now that you're in Christ, look what he says in chapter 12. Look what he says to the church. To the team. He says. Romans chapter 12 verse two. He says. Do not conform pattern of this world he says don't conform to this world now now if you read John three sixteen, John said that Jesus said for God so loved the but now God is saying don't be like the world But John said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. For whosoever believed in him should not perish. For God did not send his son to condemn the world. But But now he's saying, listen, 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 listen. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing on your mind. And when you do that, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. And this is his will. His good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. Paul is saying to the church, to the team on the mount, don't be like the world. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. This shirt is not custom made. I only got one custom made suit. There's one. This shirt, I went to Tommy Bahamas, and I bought it because there was a rack of small, medium, large, extra large, 2XL, 3XL. I went to the rack, and I picked a, a medium. I picked a medium. Now, the medium shirt that I have on is not tailor-made. This shirt is a medium because it has it was made in a machine by a pattern. So there are hundreds of thousands of medium shirts just like this because it's made in a pattern. A pattern means a machine that has a sewing machine attached to it. Put the dimensions of what a size medium is, and all they did was press enter, and the machine started reproducing medium shirts because of the pattern in the computer that caused the shirt to sew and make the shirt. When Paul says, "Don't conform," do not be conformed to the pattern. What he is saying: the pattern is the system. The system. The, let, me, let me let me let me put it this way. Let me put it. Let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. Put it there. When I was 16, 17, and my brothers and my sisters are here, they could corroborate. When I was 16, 17, I decided to play hooky. Not hockey, hooky. Hooky is when you cut class. Cut class, I was in the Bronx, going to William Howard Taft High School. And I decided to cut class, and I went to 172, 73 in Grand Concourse, and me and my friends... We decided let me see how I say this because I, I'm not promoting this, but we decided to smoke marijuana. We decided to smoke, we, call, we used to call it a blunt, I don't know why call it now, but we, we just want to say, sorry? If y'all tell me what to call it today, we have problems. So, so I I decided. I decided to to go hang out, cut class, and smoke and smoke a joint, a weed, a weed thing. Right back then, we didn't have. I, I was sixteen. I'm forty eight today. I was 16, 17. Back then, there was no sm- smartphones. There was no camera phones. There was nothing. There was nothing. There was nothing. We had nothing. We had no Facetime, MySpace. We had nothing. So, so, so it was easier to do things because there was no computer. But in my church, in my church there was this gossiping, nosy woman. Every church has a gossiper, right? Every, every church has a nosy, right? And, and when I thought I was by, unable to be detected, huffing and puffing and blowing, this lady from my father's church saw me. And instead of coming to me and praying for me, I would have appreciated her right there. Say, Gabby, what are you doing? The power of Christ compels you. The power of <laughs> She ain't do that. You know what she did? She took her quiet self and went to my mother and told my mother, which my, my parents were pastors at the time. She, they're still pastors. She told my mother that she caught me in 173rd and Grand Concourse smoking weed. Let me tell you what happened 30 days later. <laughs> About 30 days later, I'm in an airplane on my way to the Dominican Republic, and my mother sent me out of New York City for two years because I smoked weed. So for two years, I was alienated from my family, from my siblings, from my friends, I got in so much trouble when I was 16, 17, 17. I got in trouble because I smoked weed. Now, now, let's fast forward 2019. Because now, smoking marijuana is legal. When I was 16, I got in trouble. I got beat. I got deported. 2019, you could go to a store and buy weed. This is why the Apostle Paul is saying, don't conform to the pattern. Because what used to be bad 20 years ago, people have gotten so messed up that what was bad is good today. So we cannot live life by the system of the world. We got to live life by the word of God. Because heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will never, ever pass away. Paul is saying... Paul is saying you can't go by the world because what the world says is okay today is not going to be okay tomorrow. And what they say is not okay tomorrow is going to be okay today. That's why as a Christian living life on the mound, we got to live life by the word of God. We got to live life by what God says. And I don't care what the world says, what society says. I am rooted and grounded in the word of God. He says do not conform to the pattern of this world. When he says world, he's not talking about cosmos. He's talking about system. Don't conform to to the pattern of the system. Don't conform. I don't care if everybody is smoking drugs. Don't smoke drugs. I don't care if everybody's bumping and grinding. Don't bump and grind. I don't care if everybody's smoking alcohol, smoking and getting a drink after service. Talk about, I want a pina colada and I don't want a virgin. Don't drink the pina colada in the name of Jesus. You're not going to be part of this world. Let the world know that for God I live and for God I die. And I'm willing to be a bump on a pickle for the glory of God. Don't conform. He's not telling that to sinners. He's telling that to the church. If you're on this team, do not conform to the pattern of the system. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind understand I might be living in Kissimmee. I might be living in Poinsiana. I might be living in the same house for the past 40 years and I just got saved two weeks ago. But my salvation experience now alters my way of thinking in the same house I was living for the past 30 years. That's why when I come to Jesus, I don't need to buy a new house. I don't need to move to a Christian community because when I come to Jesus, Jesus is the business of changing my mind. So I can be in the same place with the same people but with a new mind, I can be different I can be holy, I can be righteous and give God the glory to to be part of this team we have to live different you have to live differently to be on this mound, there are some things that you can't do that everybody else does I told you last week Mariano told me Mariano Rivera told me Gabby From the moment I signed contract with the Yankees, 21 years ago, for 21 years he played with the Yankees, 2021-22, he says, I did not know what it was to touch and carry a bowling ball because my contract did not allow me to play bowling ball because I could have risked my gift carrying a ball that would injure my wrist and it would paralyze the potential of my career. So, for 20 years, he couldn't play bowling ball. And everybody was playing, and he would go watch other people play, but he couldn't play. It wasn't that he wasn't skilled in playing, it's that he had a gift. He had something valuable in his arm, which was the reason why he became the Hall of Famer. Imagine if he broke that and he tarnished his arm. He would have never broken the records and be the star that he is. This is what I'm trying to tell you. When I come to Jesus, I'm not better than the world, but there's something about having Jesus in my life that gives me a perspective of the value that God has deposited in me the moment I accepted Jesus Christ. So that's why I don't do the things I used to because I'm trying to prove to be better I, do the, I don't do the things I used to because I know who is in me. And because I know who is in me, I don't need that, I don't need that, I don't need that, I don't need that. Because his grace is sufficient to me, church. But we got to live different. Got to live different. Just the same way this team has an intentional different appearance than the rest of the Major League Baseball teams. We as well must be different amongst our peers. Got to be different. And when I say different, I'm not talking about long skirts, a big, fat, 20-inch knot tie. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being with them, but not being like them. But not being like them as it pertains to I am better, but as it pertains to me, I am an agent of God to give you what i know you're looking for you're looking for joy but you're looking for it in the club you're looking for happiness but you fi- you're trying to find it in sex you're looking for an escape and you're trying to find it in drugs alcohol and cocaine uh, god brought me in your life not to show you that i'm better but to tell you i know what you're looking for cuz i once was blind but now i see i once was lost but now i'm found and so i'm here not because i'm better but because god is going to use me There will always be the temptation to be like the crowd, like the rest of everybody else. But your difference has always has, has always got to stand out. Some of us, unfortunately, we yield to pressure quick. We're here and we have a church oh, 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 right after the service. The pressure of the people around you cause you to go the other direction. And God is telling do not conform to the pattern. Of the system of this world. We want to avoid. This is why many people deal with peer pressure. Because we want to avoid being pointed at. We want to avoid people having controversial conversations about us. We want to avoid people mocking us and rejecting us because we're different. And so we rather yield and become like everybody else because we can't stand the heat of being different and being special. But the truth is that those of us that take a stand on a conviction and are different will always shine in the midst of the crowd. And God is calling us to shine. Now understand this church, Christianity is not about being different. It's not about, I'm sorry, Christianity, I'm sorry, is rather about being different, not about being like everybody else. That's why the Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. So as a Christian, this is to me, church. I don't care what popular opinion says. As a Christian, we ought to be different. And this goes as far back as the book of Leviticus. Chapter number 20, verse 26. Look at the screen and look what it says. You are to be holy to me, because I, the Lord, am holy. And I have set you apart from the nations to be my own. God is telling the people of Israel, you are to be holy. Listen, holy, God says, holiness is attainable, can be attainable by everyone. There's no such thing as only pastors are holy. Everybody has what it takes to live a holy life. And God is saying, you are to be holy to me because I am holy. Now, 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 now. To be holy, what does it mean? It means to be separated. It means to be consecrated. It means to be different. It means to be apart, apart from the rest. Now, holiness does not mean to be better. is to be set aside for special use. Let me explain. We, we, had, we had a family in our, and from our church in Spanish service that came yesterday to our house. We had a family in our church. They came to our house, they were putting some stuff in the house. And, and, and they came, right? And when they came, you know, when, when, when people come to our house, when people go to our house, um, um, my wife, if you know my wife, my wife is a great entertainer. She's a great entertainer. Right? She's great. She's gifted. My wife has the gift of talking uh, in a way, in a way. No, 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 no. Hey, listen, I want to sleep in my bed. My wife's stop laughing because you make me look uh, Listen, my wife has the gift of talking hey, that she can literally entertain you as she's communicating because she doesn't just talk with her mouth she's talking with her eyes she's talking with her hair she's talking with her hands she's talking with her feet she's talking with everything when my wife talks it's like her whole body is communicating it's like it's like a like a 3D movie it's just like, crazy so 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 we had we had this couple come over and, 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 and the couple is there, and, and my wife is just talking and, talking, and she's talking, and she's talking, and she's talking, and they're captivating. She's jumping from one topic to another. And, she, and then she leaves a conversation halfway, talks about something else for 20 minutes, come back and finish where she started. I mean, I mean it's, like, it's, like, it's, like, it's like communicating in inception, a conversation within a conversation within a conversation. It's a gift. My wife got a gift. So while she's having all that and, pe- and, and the couple is listening to her, the verse that came to my mind was in the book of Acts when Paul was preaching for so long that a guy fell out the window and he died. Right? So I said, okay. I said, okay. I, I, you, know, you know, and, 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 and the, the thing when my wife talks to people is she, she could talk to you in a way that you forget. You forget the time. You forgot when was the last time you ate. You know, so you could be hungry, you don't even know it, because you're just so caught up in her coffee. So she's talking, but I'm like, I know they're hungry. So so I said, okay, let me go prepare them a sandwich. So I'm making them a sandwich, and 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 then I was gonna make them coffee. So I went to get coffee. And when I and when I went to to to, to the to the botiquín, what do you call it? When I go to the cabinet, right? The cabinet, um, we 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 have we have coffee mugs. We have coffee mugs, right? If, if, if you're in my house where all my cabinets are, the ones to the right, the ones to the left, they have a bunch of coffee cups coffee mugs. We have one from Chicago. We have one from New York. We have one from uh, uh, everywhere. I mean everywhere. We, I mean everywhere. California. We have nice coffee cup. I'm talking about beautiful coffee cup. Matter of fact, uh, Christian gave me a coffee cup uh, from a couple of, like in December, and it's the Thor, it's the hammer of Thor. So I got a whole bunch, a whole bunch Batman coffee cup. I got a whole bunch of coffee. So when I go and I open it, wow, look at all the nice coffee cups. But but right. So as the coffee is brewing, I, I took out three of those cup coffee mugs to put the coffee in. Then I remembered and I said, wait a minute, we've never used these coffee mugs before. So I took them back. They were beautiful. I took them back. I put them in, in the cupboard, and I went to the, all the way in the right side. And all the way in the right side, you have the white ones, right? And those are the ones that we all, oh, They have no decoration. They have no color. They have no, it's just white. And I went in there, and I got those, and I put the coffee on those. Now, why didn't I put the coffee cup the coffee on the ones with the color because in my mind i already assume that that's not th- those are separated to to the beauty of the appealing of the eye those are separated but they can never be used when i came to jesus god didn't put me on the side of the cupboard of the beautiful ones that can't be touched god set me apart and he put me on this side so that people can use me for the glory of god when the bible says you've been set apart is not set apart and never be touched touched by the world you've been set apart so that god can pour in you so that when others come to you they can taste and see that the lord is good but you cannot give a good impression of god if your life is not holy and ready for god to use it for his glory and we have church people that they want to live life on this side of christianity but that's not to be holy God doesn't make us holy to be special. He makes us holy to be used for a specific assignment. He sets us apart to use us for an assignment. So we've been called. He says, you are to be holy to me. Because I, the Lord, am holy. And so the result of our lifestyle must be different. The result of our lifestyle must cause us to stand out. The world is not the world to be like us, like Christ, like Christians. They just don't know it. And so they're looking for everything, everything, everything. But what would happen if we would represent God in such a way that we become so attractive to the world? The world says, no, to be a Christian, I got to do this, I got to do that, I got to stop doing this, I got to do that, I got to do this, I got to that, I got to do this. And all these rules, when God said, come to me, all you who are laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. We have to make this thing called Christianity attractive again. This is not the bad news. This is the good news. And everybody likes good news. Why is it that this is good news and people don't want to come to Jesus? It ain't because of Jesus. It ain't because of what he did for us. It's because sometimes we don't represent him well. Because we try to be like them. And they're saying, I don't want to be like me. I don't want to do what I'm doing. And when I look at you, you're doing the same thing I'm doing. I don't want that. I want something else. The result of our lives, must be different. It's got to be different. The prophet Jeremiah tells us. To him and says therefore this is what the Lord says. Jeremiah 15:19 if you repent, I will restore you that you may serve me. if you utter worthy, not worthless words, you will be my spokesman. let this people turn to you but you must not turn to them. God is saying leave that for something. He's saying, listen if you if you repent I'll restore you. I'll make you better. And then after I restore you, here's what I want you to do. Serve me. We have been restored by God to serve. We have been restored by God to win others for Jesus. We have been restored by God to serve. And he says, and if you do it, I'll make you a spokesman. If you do it, your life, your witness, your testimony will speak louder than any preacher on a Sunday afternoon. He says, let this people turn to you, but not you turn to them. God is saying, you don't have to be like them to win them. Be like me. Because I said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone unto me. You don't have to do what the world is doing to win the world for Jesus. Jesus. You know, pastor, I want to move my friends for Jesus. So tonight there's a big a big a big reggaeton concert and So I want to go over there, right? And I'm going to go I don't have to to my people to Jesus. Pastor, pastor my friends. My friends are going to go and they're going to go. They're going to drink Bacardi they're gonna go get drunk and they're gonna go go to party and I'm gonna drink right because no no you don't have to do that all you have to do is be a son of God be light in the midst of darkness and let the light of Jesus shine to you so that when they look at you they say why are you happy and you haven't taken a sip why are you joyful and you haven't smoked drugs why are you happy and you're not sleeping around because the joy that I got the world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away this is the joy of salvation Do you want it? He says, don't be like them. Let them be like you. We are in the world, but we are not of this world. We're we're pilgrims. We're not of this world. This is why Jesus... Right before he almost finished his public ministry, Jesus is about to go to the cross shortly after. And he goes to pray John 15, John 16. John, he's just praying for the people called his disciples who joined the team. For the people called the disciples or 12 men that decided to get on the mount and say, wherever you go, Jesus, we're going to go. And look at what Jesus prays to the father pertaining to his disciples. In John 17, verse 15, 18, it says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world. But that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. What truth? Your word is the truth. And as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. God is saying, I don't want them to be like the world. But then he says in John 3.16, for God so loved the world. How could you love the world and then don't want them to be like the world? Because the world in John chapter 3.16 is not the same world as in John chapter 17. When John says that they, they, they may not be like the world, he's talking about that they don't live by the systems of this world. That they, they are not conditioned to the mindset. I... He says, I'm in this world, but I am not of this world. I came to this world, but I am not. That's why when Jesus came, he came with a different mindset. He had a mindset of kingdom. So God is saying, I, I, I'm not, I don't want you to leave the world. I don't want you to leave your environment. I don't want you to leave your friends. I don't want you to disconnect from the world. But don't be like the system of the world. Be a light in the midst of darkness so that my light may shine and you may, gl- and they may glorify the Father who's in heaven. He says, Protect them from the evil one. They are not of this world, even as I am not in it. Sanctify them by the truth. So our image, our image, which is the image of Christ, our image must stand out. Did you know that the Yankees, they've been ridiculed and mocked and laughed at and talked about because they decide to not shave and because they decided not to be like everybody else. They've been talked about. But they did not allow Chris and the mocking to limit them from winning championships. The so focus on them not growing beer. they're focusing on winning chips. In Ephesians 4, we learn that we must not live like the world if we want to win the world. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. I'm almost done. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. No, I'm not almost done. Not yet. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. And let me give the backdrop of Ephesus. The church in Ephesus. It's the same church that in Revelation, God says, I have something against you. You, left, you lost your first love. But the church of Ephesus, theologians believe that that was the biggest, greatest, largest church in its time. One of the biggest churches. The church of Ephesus was, 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 was in existence in a polytheistic mindset. Philosophically speaking, there were multiple gods. People who worship animals, the goddess Samaramis, the goddess Isis, the god Eglon. They worship all these gods. Then others worship Caesars. You have to worship Caesar, now you get killed. So people have to worship. So there were was, was so many types of worshiping going on. Then you had you had like uncontrolled, disorderly desires. People were sleeping with donkeys and horses. You don't believe me? Study Caligula in history. It, 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 it was it was fathers sleeping with their sons' wives, it was a chaos, it was a chaos, it was chaos happening, there was there was a lot of mess happening in the time of the church of Ephesus, and Paul is writing this letter, and he's trying to tell them, listen, 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 because in chapter 6, he's going to tell them, put on the whole armor, you be like Christ, and the breastplate and the shield of faith, but before he gets to that, he's got to teach them and show them to have the full armor of God, this is what we got to do first, Ephesians 4, 17, 24, he says, so I tell you this, again, these are Christians, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles who used to do all that stuff I told you in their futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God. Why? Because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Lost all sensitivity. They have given themselves to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely... You heard of him, were taught in him, in accordance to the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught, with regards to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by his deceitful desires. He says, you have been called to put out your old self, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God, in true righteousness and holiness. He is saying, Paul is saying, guys, guys, you can't put on the old self. Let me tell you what he's trying to say in the Greek. This was a form of punishment in the time of the Bible. The Romans, who are horrible, when they wanted to punish prisoners, you know what they would do? They would take a person that died and tie him on the back of a prisoner and let the dead person rot and decay on his back. God is saying to this church, when you are in Christ, you can't put on the old man. You know that some of us, we go into our spiritual man cemetery and we dig up our old spiritual man and we put him on our back. And every time we leave the church Monday through Saturday, we have the stench and the rightness of the old man. God is saying, if you are in me, don't go digging up your old self. Don't go digging up that man that died, that died in sin. No, no, no. You got to leave him in the sepulcher and you got to put on the new man. created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And then he continues, verse 25, therefore I te- each of you must, and now he's going to explain what are the things that are pertaining to the old man. He says, therefore I, each of you must put off falsehood. Let me give you my Gabby translation. You must put off your lying spirit and speak truth to his neighbor." For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. He says, Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing. Now, everything I'm mentioning does not mean that these are the things that God, these are the only things I don't want you to do. These are the things that God is addressing to businesses. Pastor, I don't lie. Pastor, I, I don't got anger. If you're a hypocrite, mama, you you fall in the same boat. Okay? Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may be benefit to those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of bitterness. Get rid of rage. Get rid of anger, brawling, and uh, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, As Jesus Christ, God has forgiven you. He's saying, if you put away with the old man, these things have got to change. Why? Because our identity comes in Christ. Our identity is in Jesus Christ. Why? Because that's the part of us that God is using in the mound of our lives to win others and be a witness to the glory of God. Your identity must be in Christ. Peter writes to the church in Minor Asia, which is today Turkey. He writes to the church in Minor Asia. This church was being attacked by the neighboring cities. This church that believed in Jesus Christ in Minor Asia was not a Christian Christian region, but they believed in Christ. They had the image and the character and the nature of Jesus Christ, and the moment they decided to become a Christian church, they started getting attacked by everybody and their mother, and the pressure was on pressure was on to be like them. The pressure was on. Either you stop this Christianity and come back to be like us and we'll accept you and you'll be just like everybody else. Or you continue to be a church and we're going to attack you and pressure you and torture you and attack you and harass you. And da, da, da. And the peer pressure was on. And Peter writes a letter to the church and he tells them this. He says, but you are chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation of people belonging to God that you may have the praises of him and has placed you in the light. He's encouraging the church and tell them it's okay to persecute you. You're not of this world. You're royal. You're priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a people belonging to God. To be on the mound, man, it comes with a price. John tells us and I close. Now I'm closing. John tells us what he says, in John 3.16, John writes and quotes Jesus, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, for God so loved the world, for God so loved the world, but then in 1 John 2.15, he says, do not love the world. But he said, three years before, for God so loved the world. But now he's saying, do not love the world. Because the world world, the world world, do not love the system. Do not love the system or the pattern or anything in the pattern in the, or the system. For if anyone loves the system, the love of the Father is not in him. Then in the third letter of John, verse 1, verse 11, he says, Dear friends, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. So in conclusion, I want to challenge you today to do four things. Number one, dare to be different two, dare to believe different, Romans 12, 21. Number three, dare to live different. Number four, dare to worship different. Friend, I told you I was going to count to three. I'm going to count right now. I want every eye closed and every head bowed. If you heard this word and God spoke to you and his Holy Spirit touched your heart. Your job now is to respond to the word of God. So I'm going to count to three. If you want to be part of God's team, the winning team. If you're willing to let go whatever you feel defines you and you're willing to shave off in your life whatever you need to shave off to join the team to church, which is Jesus Christ's team. If that's you, when I count to three, I don't want you to be the third person to raise your hand, the fifth person. I want you to be the very first person to put your hand up like a rock in the sky because we want you to join. Now, two things is happening right now. God is telling you through his spirit, raise your hand at the count of three. But then your nerves And even the enemy, perhaps, is saying, don't do it. Don't do it. It's going to be embarrassing. But God is telling you, give me an opportunity. Join my team so that you can win. So every eye closed, every head bowed. At the count of three, I want you to raise your hand to the glory of God. Are you ready? One, don't be afraid today is your day of salvation. we we're going to join We hope this message has inspired you. As a place of hope, our church is committed to reach our community. If you'd like more information about New Birth, visit our website at nbplaceofhope.com.